Father God, we are so grateful to be here to talk about something that's important, uh, and yet it's also something that um, is, is fun and enjoyable, and that's the process of love. So uh, be with us as I share my story, as we walk through the process of how to deal with dating and courtship, and uh, may it be to your glory, for we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My name is Alan Parker. I'm a professor at Southern Adventist University, director of the SALT program, and my wife and I give a lot of presentations uh, on relationships and how people go through relationships. So what we're talking about this afternoon is that process of crawling into love. How do you do dating? And I'm going to suggest a variety of things here. And the first thing we're going to begin with, stage one, is observation. Before you start dating, you need to know some things. And I've got three areas of observation. One is readiness. Number two is knowledge. And number three is providence. And we're going to briefly talk about each one of those areas. So how do you know if you're ready to date? That's what people ask me. I know I'm ready to date. In one seminar, two uh, 12-year-olds sitting in the front row holding hands. Like, what are you doing? Oh, we've decided to court. You know, I'm like, what? You're 12. You know, how can you be courting? But, you know, how do you know if you're ready? (laughs) What's the process? So, number one, what's your financial readiness? If you're 12 and you're earning, you know, uh, 10, 10 or 15 bucks a week in pocket money, you're probably not ready financially for this commitment. You know, one of the things you have to think about, if you're going to date, then you are interested in marriage at some point. Now, I do think that there is a place for casual dating, particularly group dating, but it depends what I mean by dating. You see, what a lot of people think of when they think of dating is an exclusive commitment where I put my hand on your hand and we stare into each other's eyes and we whisper sweet nothings. Now, if that's what you mean by dating, then uh, you need to be ready for marriage because that's what it's headed for. But if by casual dating, I mean you guys go out and do a fun activity together, and it's a group of you, then that's fine. Are you, you following here? It's okay, to do, it's okay to get to know members of the opposite sex in this more casual way. But when it becomes exclusive, when it becomes a serious commitment, then you need to start thinking about these questions. Uh, so what's your financial readiness? And that already eliminates a huge number of this audience. Number two. Are you surrendered to God? Or are you more interested in your own opinions? And then number three, what is your maturity? Because you don't really understand yourself. And and this is something that as you grow in understanding, you do better in relationships. That's why we find when people date before the age of 18, uh, their relationships don't last very long. That's why I'm always scared when I'm dealing with high school kids to ask about how their boyfriend or girlfriend is. Because... You know, I say, how's Jack? Jack, Jack's a loser. And that was three weeks ago. I said, but you love Jack. Jack, I mean, that was two relationships ago. I'm now with Jim. (laughs) You know, and like, so I've, I've learned to be cautious because that's the nature of relationships at that age. They tend to, to, there tends to be more breakups because the maturity just isn't there. You see, each one of us from our past have landmines. What did I call them? Landmines. So landmines are hidden. You don't know where they are. And they're in your life, and you end up triggering them. And it's, it's relationships that teach you 
where those landmines are. But the better relationships to do this than dating relationships is relationships with your parents or with your friends. So you don't know what kind of landmines are there. And these landmines are waiting just to be triggered. So I always thought I was a great guy. You know, I, I did things well. I, I connected well with people. I was just kind of easygoing. But when I got into a relationship with a girlfriend, strange things happened. So I'm in college. I'm in a, a serious relationship, you know, for the first time uh, in my life. And suddenly I start discovering I can get angry. Before I was in a relationship, I didn't get angry, at least in my mind. And so one day my girlfriend and I are out washing the car and uh, she's not doing it right, you know, because there's certain ways to wash a car. I, that's how I was brought up. And so I'm getting more and more irritated at how she's washing the car. No, you didn't wash it right there. You've got to do it this way. She's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. And the whole time I'm thinking, why am I getting so frustrated about something so small? Does it really matter if you wash the car this way or that way, you know, because it has nothing to do with Karate Kid, you know. But I, I don't know what's going on. That was an ancient illustration for most of you. So I'm trying to figure out what, you know, why am I getting so frustrated over how you wash the car? And, and pretty soon I'm so boiling mad. I get in the car. I say, get in. It's her car, a brand new car that her father has given her. We're in this narrow uh, place with two concrete walls on either side. I'm so mad, I just accelerate out and I hear the scraping sound. <laughs> and there the car, her brand new car from her father is scraped up. And I, and I pull out. And now, I, first I, I'd been mad at her, now I'm mad at myself. I'm trying to figure out why is it that such a nice guy can suddenly get so irritated? See, I had landmines in my life that I didn't know were there. And my immaturity meant that I was taking out on my girlfriend and her car instead of really figuring out what was going on. And as a result, that relationship was a mess because I was constantly being immature. And so what I needed was a place, a community where I could learn maturity without being in a relationship. Does that connect with any of you out there? So are you ready? It just depends. And uh, what you've got to do is don't trust yourself. Ask those around you. What do you think? Am I ready for a relationship? And then be willing to listen to their answers because they often will know you better than yourself and they can say, hey, you need to be careful here because I don't think you've reached that level of maturity yet. So let's just say you're ready. Then you start looking at, uh, you know, this member of the opposite sex and you go, mm, you know, I think there's potential here. I just like the way, you know, she, she was so sweet at potluck when she brought me my haystacks and put it down there and smiled at me. Of course, she brought it to everyone else in the room, but it felt special, you know, the way she put it down. And I, I, I kind of, I've been watching her, so how do I know? So before you date, we suggest observation. Some of the things you can, questions you can ask is, you know, what can you learn from observation? Have you found out everything you need to know before you declare any commitments? Um, are you watching? Are you paying attention to her character, to the way she does things? Are you sitting like the servant of Abraham and watching how this woman waters the camels and going, hmm, that's character? What can you learn from others? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking some good questions, uh, going to people who know that person. Uh, and then what can you learn from opportunities that come your way? A mission trip where you can go on the same mission trip together and see how she or he handles spiders, you know, late at night. Uh, and, you know, how do they handle conflict? And what do they do when they're tired? Because people are different when they're tired, right? Uh, 
Have you noticed people who were perfectly normal before they get tired and they get cranky? Uh, there was a book written once, sometimes I wake up grumpy and sometimes I let them sleep in. You know, there, there are times when, when you change under pressure. So you want to say, how can I learn from observation? How can I learn from speaking to others? And how can I learn from opportunities to be in the same group with them and watching them as they relate to these situations? So um, when I first met Nicole, we were at this conference uh, at Andrews University. And I, it was very strange. I was coming out of Pioneer Memorial Church and I saw her. There was no fluttering heart. There was no uh, romantic attraction right away. There was just a strong impression, you need to go and speak to that girl. And I was like, this is weird. I mean, I'm not normally a person who gets a lot of impressions. So I was like, I, I'm, I'm very suspicious of this. But, you know, later that afternoon, I'm sitting in a seminar, and who should walk in but the same girl? And I'm like, okay, I've got to get the courage to go up and speak to her. The seminar is really boring. It's like... It's about youth ministry by somebody who's like 97. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, no, this is terrible. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I'm about to get up and leave. But then I see she's still there. And I'm like, I should stay for this. So I go through the whole boring seminar. We get to the end. And then at the end, just before the end, she gets up and she walks out with her cell phone to her ear. And I'm like, oh, no, I just wasted my whole time in the seminar. Now this girl has left. What is the message I'm supposed to give to her? I'm just frustrated. But then... Uh, after a couple of minutes, she comes back in. The seminar's over. So I get the courage up, and I go, and I walk across to her, and uh, I just say, hi. And she goes, hi, and she walks off. <laughs> Later on, she tells me she thought I was some hick from Texas looking for a wife and kids. <laughs> Said, I'm a fine South African gentleman, you know, anyway. It was, so she didn't know. I just said hi, and it always creeps girls out, you know, when guys come up, hi. <laughs> so she's like, who is this guy? So she got away. Well, that evening, I'm uh, going to get my picnic supper, and uh, a girl calls out to me, and I recognize she's one of my friends from South Africa who's now in the States. And uh, she says, hey, what are you doing? Why didn't you come eat supper with us? So I grab my picnic, and I go to go eat supper with my friend, and suddenly she introduces me to her friend, and it's the same girl. And I'm like, whoa. She didn't remember me from before. <laughs> she had no clue it was the same guy. It was a different context, you know, so she didn't connect the two. So, uh, you know, I come, and I'm eating supper, and I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to say? Why am I meeting this girl? But as we begin having this conversation, I'm observing I'm paying attention. I'm looking at her, and I'm recognizing she is committed to God. She has a love for ministry. And at first, I'm not thinking anything of that. We're just communicating. But then I have my list of C's. And as I'm going through my list, you know, I'd mentioned in a previous seminar, uh, you know, commitment to Christ and compatibility in ministry and communicates well and can work through conflict. And I'm going through my list, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> she has a number of these things, Lord, I, I don't know. You know, this is weird. <laughs> I, uh, what's going on here? So do I go in and immediately declare my intentions? No. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, right? No, I'm just, I'm just watching. In fact, I do such a good job that she says to one of her friends, I, friends later, you know, I, one thing, I really like that guy because I can tell he's not interested in me. <laughs> You've got to be smooth, guys. So... <laughs> So we hang out together, and um, 
uh, we're spending some time getting to know each other. The next day we meet for supper again and there's a function going on, a lunch that weekend. And so I, I kind of say, hey, you should come to the lunch. Uh, one of the girls there, uh, she's having her baby dedicated. Why don't you just come and join us? And she thinks, hey, free food, why not? So uh, she, she agrees to come to the lunch. And the more I'm, I'm watching her, the more I'm like, Lord, this is a quality girl. I really like what I'm seeing. So do I declare my intentions? No, not yet, because I'm still in the observational stage. But what, I, what we both do, I didn't realize she was doing the same thing. We both start calling anyone we know. And I take my friend aside and say, hey, tell me about this girl. And they start telling us stuff about each other. And this is healthy. Now, back then, we didn't have Facebook to stalk each other. <laughs> but we had this healthy way of asking friends, what do you really think? And her... And my friend told me about her and said, look, she's come out of a relationship. You need to give her some time. And so it was helpful to know what was going on there. And uh, so that's, that's Sabbath afternoon. We go to the lunch. And uh, the three of us are together, my, my South African friend and then Nicole. And we're just wandering around greeting people. And then they start introducing people around the circle and suddenly she realizes I'm not South African what am I doing in this group this is embarrassing so she steps behind me because I'm tall enough to kind of cover her and uh, thinking she'll escape it that way so I'm like what are you doing and I lean back and she leans forward to hear what I'm saying and somehow her chin touches my shoulder and I feel this electric shock <laughs> and I was like whoa and it wasn't static. It was something else. It was chemically induced. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? Now, I didn't know it, but she felt the same thing at the same time. She, she goes through the same experience. Now, we don't, do we tell each other this? No. No, it's not a problem. We're still figuring out what's going on here. Because can you be attracted to someone who's totally wrong for you? Yes. Yes. And so we, we're cautious with this, but at the same time, it's like, hmm, Lord, what's going on here? And then uh, I'm going around, and she's just kind of hanging by me because she doesn't know all these people, and, and I'm introducing myself to different people, and they turn, they turn to, to me, and they go, oh, who's this with you? Is this your wife? <laughs> you know, I haven't, oh, in fact, what, I remember what one guy said, I haven't met your wife yet. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I haven't either, or have I? <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, you know, we go through and we meet the crowd and then I end up with other people and she goes off with our friend Heather and they, they're hanging out and I'm hanging out with other people and then they come to find me and they can't find me. And so finally when we connect together, she says with a little mischievous grin and she tells me that she only said this because she thought it was so funny and she knew I wouldn't take it the wrong way. But she says, I should have just stood up on a chair and said, has anyone seen my husband? And they would have all pointed you out. <laughs> well, they had seen her husband. <laughs> and uh, she, you know, it was only a year later. Now, I'm not saying you should do this, but I was 28, she was 26, and things can go a little faster. But it was a year later to that day that we were married. So don't rush, guys. If you're 18, you did not hear that. <laughs> but when you're older, things do move quickly, and, and you have to be more intentional. So during this time, you know, you're looking at this, how can I really learn about this person? At this point, we're still not declaring any intentions. Instead, we're asking other people. I'm finding opportunities. She said to me, 
you know, I said, you know, after a period of time, I said, I'd, I'd like to, f to find out more about what you do. She says, well, why don't you come while we go co-portering? I was like, that sounds like fun, you know, selling books, whatever. And uh, she, we go out in this air-conditioned car. It's, it's in Buffalo, New York, and it happened to be a really hot, muggy day. And uh, so as we drive out there, she says, you know, I've really got to deal with one of the leaders here, um, and we've got an underage person who needs someone who's, you know, old enough to work with her, so I'm going to have to ask you to get out and work with her. So she kicks me out of the car where I'm supposed to be observing her. And... And I'm now sitting, uh, standing on the sidewalk with some girl from Barbados that I've never met before. <laughs> and she's, she's uh, so let's go sell some books. And she goes, and she was not very good at selling books at that point in time. And so we walk up to the first door and, and some guy says, slow down, lady, slow down, young lady. I can't hear a word you're saying. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, can I... Can I help you out with this? So I end up helping this girl. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset because I'm out in the hot sun while Nicole is driving around in this air-conditioned car. <laughs> but I don't know that she's sitting in the car going, I wonder how he's going to do. I wonder how he's going to do. I've thrown him out there. And, you know, as I'm walking around, I said, you know, it actually shows me a lot. The fact that she's not needy and dependent, the fact that she can kick me out of the car, that's a good thing. So we're evaluating each other, right, under these circumstances. And... Um, and then, you know, we, we sort of, we, we get, you know, when I finally get back in the car, she notices how I'm interacting with the group, how I'm getting along well with people, connecting with people. And she's saying, this is a guy who can do ministry. And I'm evaluating how she's connecting with the group. Yeah, I know it sounds freaky to have someone looking at you like that, but we do it, right? And we do it because your life is at stake. When you're thinking about someone you attach your, your life to for the rest of your life, you want to know something about that person. And so this was good, this observation here. What we had to be careful of is a relationship is like a rose. It's like a flower. Can you make a flower open by taking its petals and pulling on it? What will happen if you do that? You'll end up breaking the flower, ripping it apart. And what we had to learn in this stage was patience and being able to just let this friendship develop. So while you're evaluating, you can't run ahead. You've got to have patience to see how is it going to develop and giving it time. And I wasn't a very patient person. So I was already wanting to rush ahead and say, okay, let's nail this down. You know, what are we going to do here? Can I stay in contact with you? You know, what's going to happen? And so um, she ended up dropping me off at the airport. And I said, hey, you know, just I was going to give, you know, how we give little hugs. You know, you've got different hugs. You've, you've, you've got the full-on hug, and you know that you're not supposed to do that. So then you have the H hug, you know. And then sometimes if you're not really sure, you have the A-frame hug. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all these different hugs. And, and, you know, I thought, well, just give her a hug. She says, I don't want you to hug me. Because we could already tell something was going on between us, and we recognized a, a need. She recognized a need for some distance. And she was saying, you know, um, I, I sense something's happening here and we just need a bit of space because we're still in the observation stage. So what the key critical question that you're doing in this observation stage, you're looking to see, can I trust this person? Does this person act like Jesus? Uh, is this somebody who I can trust in the way they handle things? And does this person have the character qualities that I'm looking for? Because you want to be able to eliminate if this doesn't work out, you want to be able to eliminate this person from your list before your feelings get ahead of you. So you want to, you're trying to hold back your feelings and do some evaluation. 
How do they relate to God? Are they spiritual? I actually dated a girl who was not a Christian. And uh, I, I said to myself, this will be a great witnessing opportunity. And, you know, she did. She became a Christian. But you know what? It wasn't a good thing because I never knew if she was becoming a Christian because of me or because she was falling in love with God. And it didn't, I wasn't freed up to really be honest with her about areas she needed to grow because I was now in a relationship with her. It was a bad idea. So you want to look at, can you trust this person? Do they have the quality characteristics? Are they spiritual? How do they relate to others? And how do they relate to me? How do they handle conflict? How do they handle communication? So you're looking, you're observing before you let your heart get ahead of you. Some common mistakes in this uh, phase is as you're doing observing, you, you tend to lean towards superficial similarities. You like that book too? Did you love that movie? Wow, we must be meant to be together. And it's like, yeah, right. Um, you know, that doesn't mean much, so be careful of that. Uh, another problem is analysis without prayer. You know, people who have too much of a checklist. Eh, let's see, uh, what do you like here? And you go through, and it's, it's, it's kind of a formula that you've got to work out. Um, typical scenario, and I've, I've had this happen in more conservative circles a number of times. The dad takes the uh, potential boyfriend out for a test drive in the car. He doesn't say that. He just says, hey, you want to drive me to the destination? And then, you know, there's the nervous potential boyfriend to be sitting in the car. Um, and then as they start driving away, he starts asking some questions. So, yeah, you've been, um, so um, I, I've noticed you've been hanging around my daughter for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the next question. So, I, and this, these are literal stories. Uh, so, have you ever changed oil in a car before? Uh, no, I, I never have. <laughs> oh. Um, so are you uh, do you ever break the speed limit Um, yeah you know well I mean not well you know sometimes I I go a few miles an hour over well how much is a few miles an hour well you know sometimes up to up to 15 Um, so you know what's going on here and and there's so much pressure at such an early stage too much focus on the checklist do you know what I'm talking about instead of allowing things to develop a little more naturally Another problem, another common mistake is asking the wrong people. Friends are not, a good one, are not good ones to ask. You want to know why? Because friends will only tell you what, what they think you want to know. Oh, you know, you're such a, he's so cute. I just, he's so great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. You know, meanwhile, it's like, <laughs> rather you than me. And so <laughs> you need to be careful because friends can tell you the honest truth. Instead, you want... Um, you want mentors who can come alongside of you, who can be honest, who can tell you, you know what, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself here. You need to slow down. I don't think this is the best person for you. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I'd kind of been flirting with a girl, and she had written me a note. She already had a boyfriend, but she kind of liked me. You know how complicated it is in high school. And so she wrote a note, and she said, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, the way we talked the other night. It was so much fun and everything else. So I took this to my mentor, like, there's a girl who likes me. <laughs> you know, and I was all excited, and he kind of slowed me down. And he said, is it how she makes you feel, or is it because of who she is? And I was like, well, it's kind of like how she makes me feel. And he says, look, you guys don't have much in common. And he kind of walked me through it. And then I realized, yeah, 
you know what, you're right, I shouldn't be in this relationship, but I needed that mentor, because I took it to my friends, and they were like, cool, buddy, you, she's, she's hot, you know, and, <laughs> and yeah, was that helpful? No, all right, so be, be careful. Now, let's just assume that that all goes well, that you, you, you're tracking through, your observations are good, I'm ready, I have knowledge, I'm beginning to see God's leading and God's providence in this, my mentors are confirming this, I'm praying about it, and I'm surrendering it to God, and I'm saying, God, I want you to lead with this. Then when do you move to intentional friendship? Now, I had already left the United States, gone back to Africa, and Nicole and I were corresponding, and uh, we were fortunately something called MSN Messenger had been uh, invented, and that enabled us to communicate. And so now, you know, eventually I realized we need to have the talk. You know what I'm talking about? You reach a point where you say, we need to DTR, <coughs> define the relationship, right? So, so we started, you know, how do I do this? So I'm going to share with you something personal that I've never shared before. I'm going to share with you my email where I DTR'd. Are you ready? This was it. After struggling with God, I mean, I was so poetic back then. After struggling with God, my own thoughts and my emotions, I at last have some direction for the progression of our relationship. Doesn't that just sound so professional? All right. In this process, I've had to be honest in my relationship with God, the desires of my heart, and my limited knowledge of you. Can you see some sense in there? Now, you'll see later on, there was still passion that was beginning to develop, and I was trying to moderate it, but let's, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I have also spoken to those whom I regard as my spiritual mentors and those friends who know me best. Most importantly, in my reading and my devotions, I've focused on God's will for relationships and His purpose of marriage, because I knew I'd messed up before. So can you see the process of my mind during this time? So now I'm, I'm beginning to reveal what's going to happen next. All right? I, had, I said, look, these are four questions that I've processed in my mind. This is straight from my email that I sent to her. Do I believe that God led me to you and that God brought us together? And my response was yes, but I recognize that it's not always easy to figure out the signs. Have any of you had that process? I mean, it's not like God writes in the sky, you will marry Nicole. I I mean, it just wasn't there. So it was a lot more ambiguous. But I said, I can broadly sense this from that first uh, time we met. And I felt this impression. And then this growing development of how I see your character. I believe God's brought us together. Number two, are there qualities in you that I see in a future marriage partner? And because I was serious, I didn't want to just date. I wanted to be serious and to hand this over to God. And, and then I said, yes, but we've also recognized we have some differences. We had even some theological differences. But as we worked them through, we realized that there are more differences of perspective than differences of value. Then number three, what do I honestly think and feel about you? Maybe I've gone too far with that question, but it's a good question for you to know. Maybe I shouldn't have revealed it to her quite yet. And then number four, can we make it work and do we know enough about each other to make a commitment? And so gathering up all my courage, I finally said, so here's my question, the big one. Will you join me? I I worked for like half an hour on phrasing this. (laughs) Will you join me in pursuing a relationship that through sharing, prayer, and a commitment to God will determine whether or not we can spend the rest of our lives together? And then I thought, Phew. now I'm not sure if she's going to do this because she's she's, she had read I Kissed Dating Goodbye. 
and I was like trying to kiss dating hello, and so <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to do this. So I came up with a formula that I knew would, would, would win, you know, and this was my perspective. Um, I said, here's my process. I'm going to, this is straight from my email. I'm going to make contact with your folks, as I'm already doing, and ask for them to bless the new direction we're taking. Number two, that I'm going I'm to focus our relationship initially on friendship so that we share activities, ideas, present dreams more than our intimate sentiments for each other. We had already talked about some of this. Number three, we're going to form boundaries before we meet again so that we can help each other to form a foundation of integrity and trust. And then number four, that, central to our, that God be central to our discussions and occupy our email and telephone time as the main priority of the foundation that we're building. Now, I will say with number four, this was critical because a lot of what happens in this stage is you begin to open up and become more emotionally intimate with each other, discuss your feelings and ideas, and I wanted the focus to be on God. So I was trying to create that focus here. So I thought, man, this is foolproof. I sent it off and I waited. And I waited, and finally, you know, that little ding, an email has come in. I'm like, could it be? And then I go, no, it's from my president. Ding, another one, no, it's from someone else. But finally it came in, and here was her answer. (laughs) She said, no. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? And then she explained to me, she says, we're not ready. You have rushed into this. You're going too fast. You, you, you're not taking, we're not spiritually ready. We haven't examined our compatibility. And, and so I thought about it. And, and she, I was asking her to make a commitment when she wasn't ready for a commitment. So I, I prayed. And then I sent her back an email. And uh, I began very sensibly. You showed so much sense in your last email. <laughs> By the way, guys... It's good if you don't disagree when the woman says, I think you're wrong. You go, you know what? You are so sensible. (laughs) All right. That was number one. Number two, I realized if we go out with each other, this kind of pre-engagement mode, then we are making a commitment. And you're absolutely right. She had said, how are we going to break up if we recognize that we're not suitable for each other? It's going to be difficult to break out of that. And yes, we don't really know each other well enough to do that. And yes, we both need to grow spiritually so that God is at the center of this process. But then I had a little card in my back pocket, and I brought it out. So here's my not-so-big question. And I said, will you enter into friendship with me that's focused on getting to know each other, our likes, dislikes, goals, dreams, and beliefs, and yes, that's also intentionally directed towards a decision for or against a committed relationship? So I I didn't have a good term for this, and I still don't have a good term for it, but I'm calling it intentional friendship. What is intentional friendship? Intentional friendship is when you are intentional about the direction for your friendship, number one, and number two, when you declare your intentions, your interest in each other. I will tell you this. Once you do this, there is no going back. What do I mean by that? Your relationship will either end up where you choose to be less with each other because you've got to have space in your friendship or you'll end up getting married. Does that make sense? Once you declare this, there is no going back. It forever changes your friendship. But I'd reached that stage where I said, we need an intentional friendship to get to know this. Now, having said that, I was still struggling. I have to laugh as I look back at this. We need an intentional friendship. But then I wrote this in the same email. 
I try not to think too much about bubble baths, candlelit dinners, giving back massages, sharing devotional times, sharing ministry, long talks of encouragement to tonight, etc. It's hard not to dream when you see the potential. Can you feel my heart? <laughs> the same email. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I said, but I know, I know, I was kind of chiding myself as I did this, that our focus for now must be on building a solid foundation and discovering what we're really like outside of the emotional torrents of intimacy. Can you hear it in me? So, yeah, you know, this is, this is the challenge. Your, your heart wants to race ahead. Your imagination wants to race ahead. And you're trying to pull it back and say, Lord, I know I've got to create some emotional distance so we can really evaluate each other. Because what you've got is a package. And you don't know what's in that package yet. I mean, you think you do. She thinks just like me. But you don't. And so figuring out what's in this package, figuring out if it's something beautiful or something catastrophic, you know, figuring out if it's really going to work. Because over and over again, I've seen people do this. There's that initial rush of emotions. And then they discover maybe a day later, maybe three weeks later, that it's not going to work. One of my friends, he went all the way to Australia, being corresponding with a girl. He was planning to spend four weeks there. Within two days, he discovered that this was not going to work. And then he still had three and a half weeks with her and her family awkward <laughs> so you know but you you don't know what your package is you've got to have time to figure out that package figure out who is this person and how do you relate to them and so uh there are some things you need to be aware of uh you need to take a look at their personality differences some people the glass is half full and other people the glass is half empty the positive person and we, some is called them the optimist and the pessimist, although the pessimists all claim that they're realists. And so you've got to figure out, you know, how, how am I going to live with this person? And I have several couples like this because I do about 12 couples a year uh, in premarital counseling. And several couples, they'll come to me and the guy's just like, everything's great. Any problems in your relationship? No, it's, it's wonderful. And then I turn to her and she says, no, we've got serious problems. I was like, what's going on here? But it's the way they view things. When they take, when they take uh, surveys, he's like, five, five, five. <laughs> and she's like, mm, I don't know. I, maybe you want to be do a three? Well, what about a two or a four? You know, that's just, that's just how th- that uh, relationship works. And so you've got to think about how is this person? Are they, are they an optimist or a pessimist? Um, are they a neatnik or a slob? You know, when you walk into their room, do you have to fight your way to get to the bed? You know, because you get attacked by clothes along the way. Like, ah, you know, there it is, walking. Or is, is everything meticulous when you walk in? It's like everybody's been given their marching orders and things just have lined up. You know, I, I had a secretary who worked for me once. She says, I'm a little... I'm a little OCD. Actually, it should be CDO because that would be alphabetical. And so, you know, you, you have to think about how would that work together? Because when you're in love, you don't think about those things, but you need to evaluate. Um, there are people who what we might call are the Dead Sea and others who are babbling brooks. And when they get together, it's wonderful. Let's just say she's the babbling brook. You know, always has lots to say. And he's just like... 
you know, nothing, you know, just, just quiet. And she thinks, he's just such a great listener. Anytime, you know, I'm talking away and he just listens so well. And he's like, man, I don't, I, I'm not forced to make conversation anymore because, you know, it's just so great. I can just listen to her and it's wonderful to listen to her. But then a year into their marriage, he's like, oh, would she please just keep quiet and she's going why doesn't he ever talk you know I, I i just love to share my heart but he never shares his heart back to me he's just like this mysterious thing and and i ask him so what are you feeling and he goes i i, I don't know you know i haven't really thought about it and, and she's like please i just want him i just want him to express himself and so you know figuring that out is good to know and are you willing to live with that uh, passives versus aggressives. There's some people just very passive in life. They, they just kind of go with the flow. And other people like to get out there and do things. They've got lists. They've got, they've got you know, adventures to do and, and places to conquer. And, and then these two come together and it's, it's great. You know, she goes, you know, I never have to think about what to do because he's always got a list of things to do. And I can just go along with it. And he's like, you know, she's so great. She, she's always happy to do what I want to do. And then they get into the relationship a year or two and uh, she's like, he just wears me out. He's always got a list of things to do. I, and and I, when I try and bring up things, he just overrides me. So be aware of that. Then there's the organizer versus the free spirit, the person who likes to plan like three weeks in advance. And the other person who is deciding while they're getting in the car where they're going to go on, on vacation. Like, where, yeah, why don't we just stop along the way and do something? And the other person's like, you don't understand. I've, I've got this all laid out. You know, I planned we're going to stop here and we're going to spend about a day here and then we're going to move and then about another two days over here. And, and then they're going along. How are we going to have a family vacation? You've got it all laid out. There's no freedom, no expression. So being aware of some of these differences. Now, let me ask you a question. Do personality differences mean that you cannot get married? No. no. It's all a matter of how much are you willing to sacrifice? And being aware of that ahead of time. Here are some differences. How am I going to relate to it? All right, I need to keep moving here for the sake of time. Remember, during this phase, you have two ears and only one mouth. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 2, a fool delights in his own opinions. <laughs> so be careful that you're listening more than you're speaking. And uh, that way you'll get to find out about each other. Be, be watching out also for... Um, uh, potential serious pitfalls and lifestyle issues. Uh, you know, if they, y you don't drink, you have religious convictions against that, but they are saying, hey, you know, what's wrong with uh, a few uh, glasses of beer? You know, be, be careful of those differences. Doctrinal issues that come up. Like for Nicole, a previous boyfriend did not believe the same way she did about salvation. He believed that you could never say, I'm saved. And she was like, you mean you have no assurance of salvation? That was a major difference between them. Uh, there might be integrity issues. You see them lying. Or, and if they lie to other people, they're going to lie to you. Uh, if you see them stealing, if you see them gossiping. Remember, if somebody talks to you about other people, they're going to talk to other people about you. So being aware of that personality issues that we've already discussed um, if they have anger, if they have a lack of self-discipline, those things are not going to go away in a relationship. In fact, they'll get worse because now they have another person to enable them. So uh, I love the statement from Adventist homepage 45. Watch every sentiment and watch every development of character in the one with whom you think to link your life destiny. For while you may love, do not love what? 
blindly, so be very careful of that. So let's just say you go through that process, you do this uh, whole intentional friendship, and you realize this is the person for me. I remember it happened after uh, several months of Nicole and I being in this intentional friendship, and uh, we were chatting on MSN Messenger, and, and finally I got the courage up, and I said, you know, I think we're ready for the big question now. And uh, there was this long pause, and then one word came back, yes. All right, so <laughs> so what do you do in the next stage? Dating, courting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, you have to remember this is more of a process than an event. It's something you've built up to. It's something you, you almost slide into when the time is ready. But what makes it courtship or dating, remember we're distinguishing it from worldly dating, is that you're declaring a commitment to each other and exclusiveness that's appropriate to that growing commitment. So it's going to be a process where you get more and more committed to each other. It's not like, like worldly dating where, okay, now that we've made a commitment, we can hold hands and kiss and do whatever we like. No, this is, I'm not going to let intimacy get ahead of commitment. And I'm not going to let commitment get ahead of knowledge. Do you remember that process? So the whole way through, it's knowledge, commitment, intimacy. And what you're doing here is kind of a balancing act. It's like you're walking on a tightrope between friendship and marriage. And as you walk on this tightrope, you're balancing two things. On the one hand, you're balancing how to guard your heart and how to not trifle with someone else's heart. And on the other side, you're balancing growing together. So guarding each other and growing together. And you're going to balance these two. And it's awkward sometimes. Do I send flowers? Do I not send flowers? Uh, how do I relate? Do I express? Do I say I love you? Do I not say I love you? And it's this whole process that you're trying to balance. And if you lean towards like... One of my friends, he, uh, he's like, I'm going to guard her heart. And so he'd never express any romance towards her. So now they were boyfriend and girlfriend. They were courting. And yet he would never express any romance towards her. When they, were in a, when, when they went into any event, he'd be careful not to spend too much time with her. Well, guess how well that relationship lasted? It didn't. Because they actually needed to grow together. They needed this growing commitment. And so it broke up. In the next relationship, he didn't do that, and they're married today. So you've got to balance these two. You can't, you can't reveal your heart too quickly or too slowly. So it indicates commitment slowly and appropriately. That's what I'm suggesting here. Determine your boundaries. And so in order to do that, Nicole and I said, okay, we need to determine boundaries. So we wrote up a covenant. And uh, you may laugh at this, it may seem old-fashioned to you, but this is what we did. We, said number, we mentioned several things when it came to physical boundaries. We said, number one, no prolonged or intense hugging. But we said that means you can give a hug. But what we didn't want is those kinds of hugs where you can't let go for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's like, <sighs> you know, so we recognize that's going to be a problem for us. Now, we also look back at our previous relationships, and we said a gateway to to uh, heavy emotions for us, and now maybe different for other people, was kissing. So we made a commitment. We're not going to kiss until our wedding day. Now, that was pretty heavy. Now, it was made easier by the fact that we were 6,000 miles apart when we made that <laughs> commitment. But, but, you know, still, when we did get together, I remember it was New Year's Eve, and we were out on the beach, and it was midnight, and the fireworks were going off, and I looked across at her, and everything inside of me was screaming, kiss her, kiss her, and, and I'm getting closer, and at the last minute, I managed to avoid her lips and plant a kiss on her cheek, 
you know, but uh, because we had made this commitment, I didn't want to break it. You, are you following? So you may have to decide where to draw those boundaries and get some mentors to help you. Uh, we decided for us, holding hands was okay. You know, this, this uh, more casual hugging was okay. We, but you've got to have to figure that out with some mentors and with, with your partner, what's appropriate. And so we defined our boundaries, and our first kiss was on our wedding day. Now, it's not like we had never kissed before. We knew how to kiss, but this is the first time we had kissed each other. And what was funny is on that day, uh, our groomsmen all had scoring pads in their, their jackets, and they pulled out like 9.5, 8, you know, as we kissed each other. So it was kind of fun. And you're going to have to figure that out, what's appropriate to your relationship. Just be careful not to have the world's view uh, to replace biblical dating. And continue to grow in your understanding of each other. So one of the things we did, we read books. And if you want to get these down afterwards, I'm happy to share them with you. We read Adventist Home by Ellen White. Um, there's a great book out called The Sacred Search. I've updated this list with some good books. Holding Hearts, Holding Hands is an excellent book on a Christian view of dating. Uh, Boy Meets Girl by Josh Harris, which kind of describes this process. I guess dating goodbye wasn't helpful at this stage, but Boy Meets Girl was. Uh, things I, I Wish I'd Known by Gary Chapman is a newer book. And I'll share a couple of things he wished he had learned in, uh, before he got married. And then uh, he has a good book, 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged. It's more reflective. Uh, there's another book that's not a Christian book called 1001 Questions to Ask Before You Get Married. That's, that's kind of uh, more practical questions. But this, this is a good reflective study questions. And then there's marriage books. Marriage Matters by Winston Smith describes what a marriage is about. Uh, the Marriage Builder by Larry Crabb is an excellent book on, on uh, the purpose of marriage. Marriage on the Rock uh, by Jimmy Evans is just a very practical book that describes a biblical view of marriage. Love and Respect by Emerson is a funny book <laughs> that also describes some gender differences. We'll also deal with that tomorrow. And then Emotional Intimacy 101 is by a good pastor friend of mine, Pierre Steenberg, uh, who has a, a doctorate in uh, family studies as well as in theology, and it's, it's a great book. Uh, this is what Gary Chapman says that he wished he had known before marriage, that the saying like mother, like daughter, and like father, like son isn't a myth. <laughs> there are certain things that, that you get from your parents, uh, although, even though you're different. He wished he had learned that toilets are not self-cleaning. In his house, somehow the toilets were always clean because his mother did it. But uh, then he, when he got married, he realized his wife was expecting him to clean the toilet, and he didn't know how to do that. Um, he wished he had had a plan for handling money. And uh, if you go through a good program, I'll mention in a moment, you can do that. That he wished he had learned that he was marrying into a family, not just an individual, and that spirituality was not to be equated with going to church. It's deeper than that. And that personality profoundly influences behavior. We already dealt with that. And... Uh, one of the things that you're doing during the stage, you're not just finding out about each other, but you're also learning how to show romance and do a few cute things together. Um, so as Nicole and I were growing together, and I'm wondering, could I go 10 minutes longer? And what, do you, what else are you going to say? <laughs> All right. So I, I'm hoping that I can wrap this up fairly quickly. But uh, as Nicole was going th and I were going through this process and we realized, man, we're dating each other, we're finding out, we're studying these books, 
we're, we're asking each other questions. Uh, we would email backwards and forwards. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? We'd discuss theology. We'd discuss our lives. And we were just enjoying getting to know each other. She was on her way out to visit me. I had bought her a ticket from Africa. It was cheaper to do it that way, to fly on Air Alitalia to come over to see me uh, for the summer break. And so um, she went to New York. It was flying out of New York, and she was all nervous. You know, what's this going to be like? And she had the ticket. She looks at a ticket the night before and uh, puts it all away, gets, gets ready the next day, goes in a you know, a train, taxi, however you travel in New York, there's like different ways to get to the airport. And she goes on three different things to get to the airport, arrives at the airport, gets to the airline counter, says, all right, I've got it here, Um, you know, and she goes to look in a ticket book and the ticket is missing. And so um, she says, you know, do you have my name? Now, this was back, this was a paper ticket. So it was not an electronic ticket. So he says, Sorry, madam, I, I, you know, you may be in the system, but I can't do anything without that paper ticket because it's a paper ticket. He says, you can buy another ticket, but it will cost you $6,000. Well, she doesn't have $6,000. So she goes back frantically, starts looking through everything, goes through all her luggage, can't find it anywhere, um, and is just devastated. What can she do? And finally, she breaks down in tears. I mean, the, the ticket guys, this the one guy who spoke to was kind of nasty, but he disappeared. And, uh, but the other guy at the counter can see her and she just breaks down in tears. And she's like, God, if you don't want me to go, if you're not leading in this, I surrender this relationship to you. And if I can't find that ticket, I accept this. And then she hears a voice say, look in the map. She's like, that's weird. I already looked in the map. But she goes back over, gets the map, takes the map, flips it open, and the ticket flies out and lands on the floor. She grabs the ticket. She shoves everything back. She's, she's got clothes lying all over the airport floor there. Shoves them back in, zips up her suitcase, runs to the counter, says, I found the ticket. I found the ticket. The nice guy says, hey, look, I'll see what I can do. Starts punching things in. I don't know what they do at the ticket counters there, you know, but they do something, you know, and they're punching away. And uh, eventually he says, look, run, run. Uh, you, you know, the plane is, the doors are closing in five minutes. This is New York. She's got to get, she, she somehow, she runs, she gets through security. Please, can I go ahead of you? Can I go ahead of you? They let her in. Uh, she, she runs, she, she, as she's running to her gate, she can see the plane there. There's no one there. That's a bad sign, right? Except the one guy at the counter. And he says, are you Nicole Crozier? And she says, yes, yes. The guy from the ticket counter had called them saying she's coming. He says, you know, we're, we're about to close the doors, but run, get inside. She runs inside. And she sits down, and they close the door behind her. And as she's sitting there, she starts crying again. Because now God has given her back what she surrendered to Him. You know, this is, it's a spiritual process. It, it's not something that, that you just go through a mechanical process. And it works differently for everyone. Every person you ask has a different love story. Have you noticed that? But there's the spiritual process of surrendering it to God and praying and saying, God, lead through this process that when she came out to Africa during this time was when I asked her to marry me. We put petals down on the floor. Um, I, I totally got her so that she wasn't thinking about it. I already called her dad, asked for permission. He had given permission. 
and she knew about that, so she knew it was coming. I'd even uh, given her dad, I'd sent over to him uh, nine cows and a mule. Now, they were plastic cows and a mule. <laughs> but I said, I'm from Africa, so I'm pay- paying my dowry price here. And he says, so what's the mule for? I said, because there's a little bit of stubbornness in there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I, I, you know, we laid pedals out. She had no idea this was coming. I bought a, a nice big Bible. I had it open to 1 Corinthians 13. And... Uh, when uh, she thought I wasn't going to ask her because I'd taken her all these different places like the beach and these romantic places where I could have asked. And I said, hey, we're going to go meet up with a group of friends. She thought, well, it's not going to happen tonight. And then as we got there, they all left and they'd set up this apartment. And I go in and the candles are there and suddenly she gets all weak and like, oh, it is happening. And, you know, we walk in there and, I, and I'd written out a proposal and I knelt down and I gave her the proposal. And, uh, and then uh, my one joke and part of this, because I've got a sense of humor, is I had a coin with yes and no on it. I said, you can flip the coin, but I'd weighted the coin so it would land on yes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a beautiful thing to reach that point. When we did, I recognized that that wasn't the end of the journey. I had to, we needed some counseling. So I did a program called Prepare and Rich, and I'm now a counselor for Prepare and Rich. Over 3 million couples have taken this particular survey. It is an incredible survey. You don't even have to be engaged to take the survey. You can do it as a seriously dating couple. It has an Adventist workbook, and it's great because it gets couples to talk about real issues and to identify strength and growth points. You can take it as a married couple, too. That's why it's called Prepare and Enrich. It has both. And you can go to prepare-enrich.com to find out more information. And it gives you some key relationship exercises. But the great thing is this online tool. And this online, you you take this assessment, both of you independently, and then it'll tell you things like how idealistic you are. (laughs) You know, are you looking through rose-colored glasses? Uh, It'll take you through what's your communication like? Do you communicate well? Do you have serious problems? And that's great to know. Uh, Is this a strength or a growth area in your relationship? It'll tell you about conflict resolution and how you handle conflicts. Do they keep coming up over and over again, or do you resolve them? Uh, It'll also tell you about uh, habits that you have. Oh, there we go. Uh, (laughs) And uh, how well you get along with each other's, you know, styles. Do you like how your partner reacts? Are they too emotional for you? Do uh, Do you like some of the things that they do? How do they relate to your friends? And it'll tell you about that. It'll question you about your financial management and what you've talked about and and your debt of student loans. Uh, In the States, that's definitely a big problem. Uh, It'll also tell you your leisure activities and how well you get along with, with things you like to do. You know, so here in this cartoon... Marion found out on the honeymoon that the honeymoon was over because she has a set of golf clubs in between the two of them. She soon recognized that his, you know, golfing was more important than she was. So it'll ask you questions about that. When I'm doing this with a couple, this is great. We have conversations. We take their assessment tool. It says, man, it looks like you guys don't know what to do with your leisure activities. You, you don't know how to go on a good date. So I had one couple like this, and the guy was so stressed. He's like, you know what? She expects me to, do, to, go, to plan these dates, and I'm not a really creative guy. So, you know, I'll just say, hey, why don't we just do what we did last week? And then she'll get all frustrated. And so I said, hey, you know, what can we do? And so we went through a little activity to figure out what to do. They came up with a great suggestion. They brainstormed together, and of course she had more creative ideas than he had, but they brainstormed together and they took all of their dates and they had cheap dates and, and not so cheap dates. And then they put them in two glass jars 
uh, their ideas. And then when, he, when a date was coming up, he just had to go in and say, what are we doing today? Oh, look, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And it worked for them. So just having this discussion helped to avoid a major pitfall later on where she could have gotten majorly upset and said, he doesn't love me, he doesn't romance me the way I want. Uh, then sexuality and affection. What's going on between the two of you? Is there, are there some past issues that need to be talked through? Uh, um, are you, do you appreciate the level of affection? One of the questions asked is, uh, for instance, uh, I think my partner has a different view of sexuality than I do. And so it's a good discussion point. Well, let's talk about that and, uh, and see what's going on. And the, the counselor sees some of the results, but the couple never know what the other person has said. So it protects them that way. You don't, uh, and that way you can be free and honest when you take this assessment. It'll tell you about family and friends and how involved a mother-in-law or someone else might be in the relationship. And what do they think about the relationship? It deals with role relationships. Um, you know, what do you think about coming into a marriage? Um, do you think that the woman's going to wash all the dishes or are you going to help out with that? Now, it's fascinating. I've, as, I've done a, more than 100 couples through this assessment. And what I've found is that the guys believe that they are going to wash the dishes and help around the house equally, uh, even if both of them are, you know, working. He says, I'm going I'm to do these things. And it's the woman who says, no, I actually don't think you're going to do as much as what you think you're going to do. Because she really realizes he... He's not going to, he says he's going to help around the house, but I know what men are like. So, um, but have you talked that through? Have you discussed your differences in opinion there? And then it deals with spiritual beliefs. What are the, the differences between the two of you and how you handle spiritual things? So do you think this kind of assessment would be helpful for you, you know? And whether you're married or whether you're engaged or whether you're, you're dating. Now, if you are just brand new dating, don't do this test because you'll think everything's perfect. We don't have any conflict. Communication's great, you know, but it's good if you've been dating for a little while. Some of the other things that it deals with is it looks at assertiveness and self-confidence. How much can you say what you really feel? And then it compares it with how much do you avoid conflict and how much does one person feel dominated by another? Now, this can be really helpful because what you want to do is increase assertiveness and self-confidence and decrease avoidance and a sense of partner dominance. So going through this test will help you to see are there issues coming up there. Something we'll deal with tomorrow is a little bit more on personality, but I'm, I'm going to have you help me out with this couple here. Here's Daniel and Maria, and there are five different personality scales that they use here. It's called scope. And in this five different personalities... The first one is social. A high score indicates that that person really loves being social, and a low score indicates that they're more introverted. So, Daniel is the blue. Is Daniel introverted or extroverted? Introverted. introverted. How do you think that discussion is going to go? Mm, like you showed it before. <laughs> yeah. He's going sh to shut down. He's not going to say how, how he really feels. He's going to... When they go out into... Uh, uh, you know, when they got into a crowd, she's going to be the butterfly. How are you doing? Oh, I love being together. Oh, this is so much fun. And he's going to be like, when can we get out of here? I'm so claustrophobic. This is, this is overwhelming. There are like six people here tonight. And so, <laughs> you know, so knowing, knowing those differences, then when you're dialoguing, you can, how can you help Daniel to open up? And how can you discuss this issue? What's a good compromise for them? 
Then change. Notice this one. A high change means that this person loves change, adventure, doing something new. And low change means they like routine rituals. Now, how would this work out? Give me, what, what would that be like for Daniel and Maria? What does Daniel want? By the way, in this case, this is a, a sample scenario. Daniel's a computer programmer. So Daniel likes, you know, order, the house is neat. I like to know when things are going to happen. And she's free-spirited. She's like, woo! Let's do something artistic. Let's do something different. Let's paint up the house. Let's change it. I don't like the way the furniture is because we've had it that way for three days already. Let's move it around. <laughs> so you've got some differences. Then organization. Notice, I, and again, these two tend to match each other. If you're low on change, you tend to be high on organization. Not always, but it tends to be that way. So he's high on organization. She's low on organization. He's constantly fixing her messes. Then, then pleasing. He likes to please people. She's more honest. She'll more likely say what she feels. And emotional steadiness, that means they're in the middle. If they were both high, it means they're even keel. If they're both low, it means that they ride the waves. This is the best day of my life. Next day, this is the worst day of my life. So, you know, going through those things. And if you've got somebody who's like that, they're exciting to be around because they love stuff. And then when things don't go well, they hate stuff, you know. So just being aware of what that other person is like and working through. So in the assessment, it helps them to deal with some of these things. So if all goes well, I don't have time to deal with the next one. If all goes well, you'll reach uh, a point where you can say, look, we've looked at our strengths and weaknesses, our growth areas. We understand each other's personalities. We know some of the background of each other's families. We recognize some areas for further conversation and growth. And you reach a point of saying, are we going to go ahead and get married or not? And I love this quote from Adventist Home because it suggests that you don't have to get married if you're engaged. Do not think that the engagement makes it a positive necessity for you to take upon yourself the marriage vow and link yourself for life to one whom you cannot love and respect. Can you see the... That there, so you don't have to get married. But if things go well, you look at it all, then you're going to end up with that final stage of marriage, and you're not done yet. You'll continue to grow. You'll find out crazy things about each other. You can go and listen to some of our presentations uh, on Audioverse and other places. You can hear about our banana story and uh, some of the things that took place there. But you're going to continue to grow because you don't know the person that you married. It'll take, you, it'll take you a lifetime to get to know that person. Phew. Thank you for listening. I'm going to have a prayer here. And if you'd like to talk to me afterwards, please do come see me. And uh, tomorrow we're going to deal with gender differences, personality differences, communication, conflict, and uh, some of those things. Father God, I want to thank you uh, for this group here. I want to thank you for the extra time they've given me here. I pray that you will lead in their relationships. It is so incredible when we surrender ourselves to you. How can we know another human being with all of their differences and their variances, with, with how uh, they think and act? Uh, it, it's so amazing, Lord, to discover this package. But help us to do it your way, to not let intimacy get ahead of commitment or commitment get ahead of knowledge. Thank you, Lord, for guiding through the seminar. In Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio 
and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.